The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, preached on May 29, 2011, based on Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, the account of Cain and Abel. Please remain seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word from God, through which the Holy Spirit calls us to trust the Lord's mercy, is the first lesson you heard, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, the account of Cain and Abel. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. He had ruined everything. The ground was cursed because of him. Pain and suffering increased. Death ruled. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, Romans 5 declares. Yes, Adam had ruined everything. Can you imagine the guilt that must have burdened and weighed down Adam and Eve? They knew what they had lost. They knew what their sin had forfeited. How difficult those days after Eden must have been. But the Lord had made a promise. Yes, they had the Lord's promise, his free, gracious, unconditional promise. And the Lord's promise lifts up and takes away even the weightiest guilt. The offspring of the woman would come to crush Satan's head. He would restore their ruined relationship with God. Yes, this divine Savior, this serpent crusher, would be born of a woman. And so now the Lord's previous command to be fruitful and multiply takes on new meaning as well. Not only would having children fill this earth, but that's how the Savior would come into this world. And so we hear in the text here that Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. What hope and joy that birth must have brought. In the face of death, here was life. In the face of despair, here was hope. Here was the firstborn to carry on the promise. Wouldn't the Savior come through Cain's family line? Adam and Eve must have thought so as they groomed a Cain to take the role of Adam. Cain was trained as a farmer to work the soil just as Adam had done. Wouldn't Cain, as the firstborn, be the future leader of the human race? And so how devastating, how utterly devastating when Cain refuses the Lord's mercy. The Lord's mercy calls out to Cain, The Lord's mercy compassionately warns Cain, but he refuses to listen to those warnings. He refuses also to listen to the Lord's mercy calling him to repentance. But despite Cain's refusal, the Lord's mercy calls out to him. As we revisit this very familiar account of the beginnings of human history, As we revisit this lesson you learned long ago in Sunday school, may the Holy Spirit keep our eyes focused on the Lord's mercy. Remember the theme. The Lord's mercy calls out despite Cain's refusals. 
And what does the Holy Spirit teach us through this account of history? First, don't abuse the Lord's mercy by letting sin crouch at your door. And second, humble yourself before your merciful Lord. Part one. Don't abuse the Lord's mercy by letting sin crouch at your door. Our black lab likes to lie in the entryway at the front door, peaceful and quiet. That is, until the doorbell rings or there's a rap at the door, and then she's up barking or growling, even lunging at the door. Like a ferocious beast, sin can lie quietly at the door. All seems fine until it rises up and pounces to devour. Now what sin was lying, crouching at Cain's door? Well, as we look at the account here, we see that both Cain and Abel bring an offering to the Lord. And then we're told, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So what was the difference? The difference was not in how much each brought or what kind of offering they brought. The difference lay in the person. The difference lay in in their hearts. And, And this is brought out as we see how the person is named first. The Lord looked with favor on Abel, and so his offering was acceptable. But he did not look with favor on Cain, which meant that nothing Cain would do, nothing he would offer would be pleasing to God. And so the real question here is, what was the difference between Cain and Abel? And even though throughout Scripture, when we understand things right, it's easy to see, the Holy Spirit makes it perfectly clear for us in Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And this is right in line with everything else that the the Scriptures say about our works. Only the works that come from a believing heart are acceptable and pleasing to God. All other works, no matter how pure the motives or how how magnificent the work, all other works are unacceptable. So who could ever think that their works could make them right with God? Nothing we do is acceptable to God until after He has made us right with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11 also says. Faith makes the difference. And we could well see how pride had driven faith out of Cain's heart. He was the firstborn. He was the heir of the promise. He was the future leader of the human race. Did he really need God all that much? Oh yes, he still did his duty to God. He did his duty. He brought his sacrifice. But he did not trust the Lord. He relied on himself instead. Pride crouches at the door. And as life goes along well, pride can lie there feeding off of the successes and accomplishments of life. Isn't that when we feel the most pride, when our lives are are going along fairly well? Look at what I've done. See what I've accomplished. Look at how well my family turned out. 
As long as life goes along well, pride can lie there and push Christ off the throne of our heart without us even realizing it because our life seems fine. But real faith has disappeared no matter how well life goes along. And that's what the Lord's mercy brought Cain to see. Yes, Cain thought all was well, even though he was heading for hell since he had lost his faith. He thought all was well until until that sacrifice he offered was not accepted by the Lord. But rather than listening to the Lord's mercy, Cain took a different path. Yes, this was the Lord's mercy calling out to Cain, letting him see that things were not right between him and God. But did Cain listen to the Lord's merciful call? No, he refuses it. He lets his pride roar up in jealousy and envy, devouring him with anger and hatred. Oh, he can't take it out against God, but his brother Abel, who follows the Lord, yes, his brother is much more accessible. When our pride roars up in jealousy, envy, anger, or hatred, how devastating that can be. And it rears its beastly head sometimes when we think things like, you know, I've worked as hard as he has. I should have as much as he does. Her criticism makes me so mad. Who does she think she is? It's so easy for us to see others strutting around in pride and, and, and we feel offended that, that by that because our own pride is injured or it feels challenged. We so easily see the pride in them but fail to see it in our own hearts. Don't let pride crouch at your door. The Lord's mercy calls out. Calls out to you and me and it calls out to Cain again here. Do you see that? The Lord's mercy calls out to Cain as he he tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door. But again, Cain refuses. Oh, things look better on the outside. He hides his anger. He acts friendly towards Cain. But then when they are out in the field together, his anger rises up and kills. And so now, now has the Lord's mercy finally come to an end for Cain? So great is the Lord's mercy that it calls out even to this murderer who killed his brother in cold blood. Where is your brother? The Lord says. His mercy wants to lead Cain to confess his sin. But Cain refuses. He retorts, Am I my brother's keeper? And notice how his defiance exposes his unbelieving heart. I'm not my brother's keeper. Why should I be loving my brother as myself? Remember what the scripture says about loving our brother. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 1 John chapter 4. And yet the Lord's mercy still keeps on calling. As the Lord hands out Cain's punishment, he will be a restless wanderer exiled from his family. Yes, this is the Lord's mercy at work as well. For the Lord wants Cain to see how serious this sin is. It is sin separates from family and more than that, worse than that, sin separates from God. The Lord's mercy wants Cain to see it before it's too late. 
Cain still refuses. His defiance gives way to despair. My punishment is more than I can bear, he cries out. For you see, when pride and sin has leaped up and devoured, it leaves only the dry bones picked clean, the bones of despair. But even in his despair, Cain refuses the Lord's mercy. And so in one final act of mercy, the Lord preserves Cain's earthly life, giving the warning that any who killed Cain will suffer seven times the vengeance. What mercy that gave him this extended time of grace to see his sin and repent. Cain refuses and goes out from the presence of the Lord. Dear friends, fellow sinners, humble yourself before your merciful Lord. Just as his mercy called out to Cain, so also his mercy calls out to you and to me. Don't refuse his mercy. Don't refuse. Rather humble yourself. When Cain's offering was not accepted as he thought it should have been, he had the opportunity to examine himself and see how his pride had driven him, cut him off from the Lord. And so also when life does not treat you the way you want it to. See the Lord's mercy at work. Rather than handing out blame, humble yourself before the Lord. Yes, humble yourself, not thinking that this is going to earn us God's favor if I make myself low enough or make myself pitiful enough that then God will have mercy on me. No, no. Remember what we said before. Nothing we do can make ourselves acceptable to God. Rather, humbly cling to the cross of Jesus alone, only in Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross for you. Only there, only through his cross, does God make us right in his sight. Clothed with Jesus and his righteousness, and washed clean in his blood, not only are you acceptable to God, but all that you do in faith becomes a sweet fragrance rising up to the Lord your God. Think, think of what a wonderful truth that is, how that gives us strength and purpose in our life to know that in Jesus, you and your works of faith are like Abel and his offering. And this helps us understand when the Lord said to Cain earlier, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He isn't telling Cain that he has to do the right thing to earn God's favor. That's all backwards. Rather, the Lord is saying, if you do what is right, because what's in your heart is right. And how can our hearts be right? Only when the Lord, through his mercy, calls us to faith. It all begins with faith in Jesus. And then that faith blossoms into right actions, which are the evidence of that faith. Without faith, Cain or anyone else cannot do what is right in God's sight, but in faith, the Lord is pleased. What mercy he shows us. And so as the Lord continues here and says, 
But if you do not do what is right, in other words, if you continue in your unbelief, sin is crouching at your door, it desires to have you, but you must master it. How would you have responded? I don't think the Lord was looking for Cain to say something like, Oh, I'll I'll do the best I can. I'll give it a good shot, I promise. Rather, Rather, I pray that I would have answered like this. I can't, Lord. My sin is too powerful. I can't master it. I don't have that strength within me to tame it. I need you. I need your help. I need you to rescue me. Without you, I I fail. I, I completely fail. That's humbling yourself before your merciful Lord. And what does the Lord do for the humble and the lowly? He raises them up. He lifts them up. And we see this theme again and again throughout the scriptures. Think of how he took reluctant Moses, too humble to lead the people, but raised him up to face down Pharaoh. He took the outcast, Ruth, the foreigner, and brought her into his family. He took the lowly shepherd boy and raised him to the throne of Israel. Or think of Jesus and the lowly origins of the apostles he chose. A pregnant virgin from Nazareth summed it up this way. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Luke 1. Lord, I need you. Sin is crouching at my door. I don't have the power within me to to master it. I need you. Rescue me. Have mercy on me. And what does the Lord's mercy say? He says, I have sent my son to overcome sin and win the victory for you. I have raised him up from the dead. See his empty tomb. He has risen. And he gives you that victory. In him you have the strength. In him you have the power. For he comes to you through his word and sacraments. Yes, his word is real food to give you the strength to fight sin. His body and blood feed your soul to give you the power to resist. His promises will not fail. Lean on him. Rely on him. Trust him. And then, dear friends, fellow Christians, no matter what this life does to us, even if the enemies of the cross rise up and kill us like Cain killed Abel, even if we are cut off from our homes and exiled from our families like restless wanderers, no matter what this world does to us, it cannot separate you from God's mercy. For as long as you continue in your baptismal faith, you are his dear child. And then no matter what happens on this life on this earth, nothing and no one can rob you of your heavenly inheritance. And what a permanent home that is. What great mercy the Lord has shown us. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.